Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, Wednesday edition. And, uh, yeah, not much going on today. Well, other than Ronald Acuna making his Major League debut tonight, that's a pretty big deal. But, you know, for me, that's pretty exciting. But um, I might be almost as excited, and if I'm really honest, I'm actually way more excited about the fact that Franchi Cordero is batting cleanup for the Padres this afternoon. Game's going to start in about seven minutes in uh, Colorado. And, uh, yeah, so I've got uh, Franchi Cordero on all of my teams. I have Ronald Acuna on exactly none of them. But uh, that's not your problem. Uh, It's definitely an exciting day to see the debut of Ronald Acuna. Uh, Even if you don't own him, uh, to just uh, watch him. He is in the Braves lineup tonight, batting sixth, playing left field, of course. So uh, Preston Tucker, nowhere to be found in the Braves lineup. In fact, both of the quote-unquote fill-ins for the Braves are uh, out of the lineup. So no Preston Tucker and also no Ryan Flaherty. You got Johan Camargo, not not Jose Bautista, at least not yet, uh, but Johan Camargo getting the start at third base and batting fifth for the Braves against Brandon Finnegan and the Cincinnati Reds. That is a scheduled 640 Eastern time start. Lots of lineups already out. I will get to those. Uh, lots of weather forecasts already out. I'll get to those too. In fact, there's more weather forecasts than there are lineups, but you knew that. Uh, okay, so uh, yes, that is the big news for uh, today so far. Anyways, the uh, official promotion of Ronald Acuna uh, to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he has not exactly torn it up at uh, AAA Gwinnett so far, but uh, apparently the uh, the Braves felt that uh, Acuna was ready. And uh, just to, to give the official stats, he played 17 games at Gwinnett uh, this spring, uh, hitting just 232, uh, one homer, four stolen bases, though. So that's what we want to see. Uh, last year in 54 games at Gwinnett, uh, he had 11 steals. So uh, definitely getting the green light there. And, uh, you know, that's the thing that, you know, you figure from Acuna may take him a while to adjust to major league pitching. You know, after all, uh, just turned uh, 20 uh, four months ago. So, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if uh, he struggled a little bit initially. But uh, it's pretty much true that speed doesn't slump. Does have to get on base. But um, and he was striking out quite a bit. And and not just at Gwinnett, but... uh, you know, looking back in the Florida State League, even at double A, he had a 23% strikeout rate. So there you go. 
maybe some struggles, may not be a great batting average, but uh, certainly thump in the bat, even though we didn't see a whole lot of it early on at uh, Gwinnett. But again, he played only 17 games there. Last year, uh, across three different levels, went from the Florida State League, double-A, the triple-A, uh, he did hit 21 home runs last season. So there is some thump there. There's definitely some speed, uh, pretty good plate discipline, but the strikeouts might be an issue for Acuna. So just to be the wet blanket on on what is otherwise a, a very exciting day. Uh, so uh, definitely looking forward to seeing that tonight. There are some other news items. Uh, Eric Thames exited last night's game for the Brewers uh, early with a thumb issue. And a quote here from Craig Council, we're a little concerned about his thumb. Going to have to get some tests on it. Uh, he said tomorrow, that's today. It's a ligament issue they're concerned about. So that's um, not terribly encouraging uh, for Eric Thames. Uh, it, you know, if he does have to spend some time on the DL, then that obviously does, uh, you know, clear things up a bit in terms of uh, the log jam there. You probably see uh, more of Ryan Braun at first base. But again, kind of getting ahead of myself here because uh, we have no idea about the seriousness of uh, this injury. Uh, I would assume the Thames won't be in the Brewers lineup tonight against the Royals. That's a uh, 7.15 central time start. So may not see that uh, that lineup before the end of this hour. But being in the uh, in the American League Park, I think you're going to see all the outfielders in that lineup anyway. Uh, you did last night. But over the longer term, if, if Thames does have to miss uh, some time, Probably the main beneficiary there would be uh, Domingo Santana, who did get a couple of hits on Tuesday, but has really struggled, uh, really struggled to uh, get that launch angle up where, where it was last year. Not that he's a fly ball hitter to start with, but hitting too many grounders this year, not very much power. Uh, he had been out of the lineup uh, prior to uh, this, uh, this series with the Royals. So uh, I think that definitely benefits him, uh, probably Jesus Aguilar maybe a little bit, uh, maybe Aaron Perez a little bit as well. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, and, and hopefully uh, Thames doesn't have to miss, miss much time, and uh, this whole discussion then just becomes pretty much moot. Adrian Beltre has a strained left ham hamstring, and according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Beltre will be evaluated today. So not great news for him. Did get a question about whether or not, and actually not just one question, uh, but really over even before the injury, got some questions about Beltre and whether or not he's droppable. I'd be really hesitant to, and I would at the very least wait and see what the status on his hamstring is. But, uh, you know, it's just we've written off Adrian Beltre a few too many times over the last few years, and still has a very strong skill set. Uh, I, I understand that that Rangers lineup is uh, maybe not the most conducive to run production, but uh, granted, you, you got Delano DeShields back in the lineup there. Uh, that maybe helps a little bit. But I, I uh, you know, in a 10-team league, I think that that's okay. 12-team league, I think you got to be very, very careful and probably best to wait that one out. Uh, also at the hot corner, Josh Donaldson, according to Sportsnet, is progressing and could play some rehab rehab games at some point this week and they are expecting 
more information on Donaldson's situation today. There may be a little bit more specifics on when exactly he's returning, but Donaldson making progress. Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, this is Wednesday. Tuesday uh, was a really, really intriguing night in terms of uh, bullpen activity. You had a whole bunch of uh, blown saves. You had uh, Craig Kimbrell taking the loss with uh, Curtis and Granderson uh, with walking off against them. You had um, Roberto Osuna, Osuna in that game blowing a save. Uh, but among the more intriguing things that happened, Greg Holland pitched the ninth inning in a tie ball game uh, at Bush Stadium uh, versus the Mets. And the Mets wound up winning that one in extras, but uh, Holland did his job in the ninth inning. And then it was subsequently reported that Bud Norris was unavailable dealing with some uh, soreness. I'm not exactly sure what the the details are uh, about that uh, soreness, but it uh, doesn't sound particularly serious for Bud Norris, but it also doesn't sound particularly serious then for uh, Greg Holland to uh, become the closer. Because I thought for sure uh, that this in combination with the fact that Holland pitched the, the ninth inning on Sunday, and the Cardinals had, I think, a, a seven-run a seven lead in that one. But they uh, Mike Matheny went to Norris in the eighth inning when it was still just a four-run ball game. And I didn't really think much of it at that time. I just thought, okay, well, maybe Matheny was going to bring Norris out for the ninth and then didn't need to because the Cardinals expanded the lead. I, I really didn't didn't think much of it. Seemed like he was bringing along Holland pretty slowly, uh, bringing him back to the, the closer role. And again, you know, we have to remember that for all of the enthusiasm that we as fantasy owners have had about Bud Norris, the plan all along has been for Greg Holland to come back to being the closer for the Cardinals. So when he pitched the, the ninth inning last night in a tie ball game at home, I thought, well, this is it. That combined with, with the Sunday usage pattern, that's it. But uh, MLB.com kind of put a, uh, a damper on that one with their report that, that Norris was unavailable. Still pretty curious, I have to say. Pretty uh, curious situation there because Holland has pitched well lately. He's had three straight outings where he's uh, not given up a hit. So pitching better, uh, pitching better in a couple of ninth inning situations. Granted, one that was not very high leverage. But regardless of whatever the reports are on Norris, and and maybe that's a more serious injury than it, that appears to be too. So that's another angle from which you can look at at this Cardinals closer situation. But I'm watching that one real closely because it seems like if if Holland's not the closer, seems like he's awfully close. But we shall see. And we've got a little bit of uncertainty. With the A's closer situation, uh, because uh, last night you had uh, Blake Trainin having uh, to be taken out early, getting hit uh, by a comebacker, fortunately on his leg. So, you, you know, you certainly, uh, if you're going to take a comebacker somewhere, there there's certainly worse ways. Uh, but took a comebacker uh, from Shinsuchu on his uh, right shin and apparently just has a bruise there. And Bob Melvin said that he may even be back as soon as Wednesday night. Uh, if not Wednesday, then probably Friday. So it doesn't sound serious for training. I wouldn't really run out and make what, what looks like what would have been the obvious play to get Ryan Buckter. Although on Tuesday it was Santiago Casilla that got the save. I don't think Buckter was available. 
Uh, so Buckner would be next in line there. So again, one to watch. I think probably not a high probability speculation situation in Oakland. It seems like training's going to be back pretty soon. But, you know, uh, as I say, I'm pretty much every single show. Sometimes injuries linger for a while. Maybe for a short term, uh, Buckner can can get you a few saves. But again, that's even that to me seems pretty speculative. And then a very strange situation with the Dodgers for the second night in a row had a situation where they could have used Kenley Jansen on, uh, on uh, let's see, so this is Monday, getting my days confused. Monday uh, could have been a, a safe situation, but instead it was Josh Fields. And then on Tuesday, a situation where they were hosting the Marlins, had a tie game in the ninth inning, but it wasn't Jansen. It was Pedro Baez that came out. And according to Pedro Mora of the Athletic, Jansen was ready to go. So I, you know, that's in the absence of that information, I would just assume, okay, giving Jansen the second day of rest, not the weirdest thing, but the fact that apparently he was ready to pitch in the ninth inning, I don't know what to make of that. That to me sounds like, and again, utter speculation on my part, but that maybe Dave Roberts thinks that that Kenley Jansen needs a, a break from some high leverage situations for a little while. I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't really want to believe that in a way that doesn't even make sense to me, but I don't know what else to make of this Kenley Jansen situation right now. So this is going to be a day-to-day thing where we need to watch and see how Dave Roberts handles the ninth inning in those, uh, in those high leverage situations. We have a quartet of pitchers who are scheduled to return Uh, for Jack Flaherty. It's returning from the minors not from the DL, uh, but he is now scheduled. This was pretty much anticipated once Adam Wainwright went on the DL earlier this week, but Jack Flaherty uh, scheduled to start for the Cardinals on Saturday this week, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Jason Vargas, again, this one was pretty much anticipated, but now it's official according to MLB.com that Vargas will start for the Mets on Saturday against the Padres. And Wei-Yin Chen have not seen him pitch for the Marlins in quite a while, uh, but he is going to make his 2018 debut on Saturday against the Rockies, according to Craig Mish of SiriusXM. And finally, Rich Hill, we knew he was going to come back. It was just a question of when. It will not be this week. So if you started Rich Hill this week, that is unfortunate. If you benched him this week, you made the right call. He's going to make his next start coming off the DL for the Dodgers on Monday. Uh, just pitched a sim game and is, is good to go to start on Monday, according to the Southern California News Group. All right, so I promised you some weather forecasts, and I'm definitely going to follow through on that promise for you. Uh, there are some situations uh, that you need to pay attention to. There's a bunch of of games that have some uh, precipitation chance, but only really a couple that look like uh, they're ones that you have to really worry about. One of those is the Orioles versus the Rays. Of course, they got uh, canceled on Tuesday. So that Jake Faria-Alex Cobb matchup we were supposed to see last night, scheduled for tonight, but you got to watch that one because it's a 48% chance of precipitation at game time, and it's going to hover in that uh, area for a couple hours after the scheduled day game time of 7.05 um, Eastern. Uh, that is uh, at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. 
So uh, Rays and Orioles, one that you can't uh, necessarily count on. Orioles lineup, by the way, is already out. And the other one you should watch, just a little bit up uh, on 95 from Baltimore, uh, the Phillies hosting the Diamondbacks, also scheduled 7.05 start. And that one actually looks much more troublesome. A 42% chance of precipitation at game time, but going up steadily for the next uh, two or three hours after that. So that looks really bad. They did play uh, that game last night and some really, really heavy downpours. Uh, so we'll see if they give that a go again tonight uh, in Philadelphia. And other than that, um, Kansas City, decent chance of rain around game time, but then uh, it's supposed to clear very quickly after, the, after that, so maybe just a slight delay. Nothing that would worry me in terms of starting any players in that game. And really the rest of the schedule looks looks pretty good. So, um, so there you go. Those are the two ones to watch. Uh, Orioles and Rays and Phillies and Diamondbacks. And that Phillies and Diamondbacks game, that's if that goes, that's going to be a uh, matchup of fantasy aces, Zach Greinke and Jake Arrieta. And Diamondbacks line up already out in that one. In fact, let me just get right to uh, at least some of these lines. Probably not going to get to all of them before we head to break momentarily. But the Diamondbacks line up against uh, Arietta. Uh, nothing too unusual there. Draw Dyson in right field. David Descalso at third base. And uh, that is my cue that I do need to save the lineups for a few minutes later. So uh, we'll have to break and we'll come back. Lots of lineups, lots of news, much more to come. Don't go anywhere. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, got lineups galore to go over. A lot of them are already in. There's no super-duper late games on the schedule. Uh, We've got uh, a few games in central time. We've got, uh, well, let's see. Yeah, that's that's about it. So um, nothing uh, tonight that's going to keep you up really late. But it doesn't matter because you're just going to be tuning in to the Braves game and watching Ronald Acuna uh, as as well you should. So uh, that Braves lineup is out, by the way. So probably as good a place to start as any. Uh, they've got a 640 Eastern start in Cincinnati against Brandon Finnegan. Braves are going to go with Matt Wisler on the mound. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Acuna batting sixth. 
and uh, Manning left field. And I also mentioned Johan Camargo batting fifth and playing third base, so no Ryan Flaherty there. The Reds, uh, they continue their outfield rotation, and no Billy Hamilton for the Reds tonight against Matt Whistler. So Jesse Winker leading off, and in right field, Scott Shebler taking Hamilton's place in center. And, of course, Adam Duvall uh, over and left. And other than that, looks pretty typical. You got a little bit of a rotation at third base. It's Alex Blandino tonight. Uh, getting to some of the other lineups, we got Nationals and Giants starting up pretty shortly. Uh, you got Matt Adams at first base against Jeff Samarja. Adrian Sanchez uh, filling in for uh, the DL'd Anthony Rendon, batting seventh uh, and at third. Pedro Severino doing the catching. So a few uh, names in the lineup there that aren't typically there. Uh, Giants be facing Max Scherzer, so unenviable task there. And no Buster Posey. Got Nick Hundley behind the plate. Uh, Brandon Belt at first base. Uh, Brandon Belt, of course, on an absolute hot streak right now. Uh, Tigers and the uh, Pirates in Pittsburgh. A 4.05 Eastern start. That's Jordan Zimmerman and Jamison Tyone. And for the Tigers, uh, you got Nico Goodrum playing second base today, batting sixth. So um, Dixon Machado's cooled off quite a bit. Maybe provides a little opportunity for uh, Goodrum to uh, show what he could do, uh, at least starting tonight in Pittsburgh. And then for the Pirates, uh, you got Colin Moran back in the lineup, Jordy Mercer. Uh, so those two had been out. Adam Frazier continuing to lead off and fill in at second base. And uh, got the Yankees hosting the Twins. That's a 635 Eastern start at Yankee Stadium. Got Tyler Austin at first base. Uh, Torres and Andujar both in the lineup. So uh, nothing too unusual there. Twins are going to go with Lance Lynn. Yankees are going to go with Sonny Gray. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. Uh, but for the Twins, nothing nothing unusual there. Uh, Diamondbacks lineup I already mentioned. That one's out. Uh, so yeah, Gerard Dyson in right field uh, for that one. Uh, Orioles lineup is out. And again, that's the other game. Aside from Diamondbacks, Phillies, that's the other game you need to check in on to make sure that the weather's not going to ruin it. Again tonight, and uh, the top part of the lineup is is pretty much uh, what you're accustomed to. You got Chance, Chance Cisco batting second uh, and uh, catching uh, Trey Mancini leading off. But the the bottom four is uh, Danny Valencia, Pedro Alvarez, Anthony Santander, and Jace Peterson. Red Sox lineup is out. Uh, they'll be facing the Blue Jays and Aaron Sanchez. Red Sox are going to go with Eduardo Rodriguez. And they've got pretty much their standard lineup out. You got Brock Holt at short and batting ninth. And uh, yep, I don't see anything else there. And then the only other lineups that are out, Cubs at Indians, uh, 710 scheduled start at Progressive Field. Uh, Albert Almora once again getting the uh, leadoff spot and the nod in center field. Tommy Listella. This, uh, that's kind of interesting. No, so no Bryant after it was thought that maybe he just missed the one game. So no Chris Bryant, Tommy LaStella batting fifth, uh, playing third base. And the rest of that lineup looks pretty normal. Again, that's in Cleveland. So you got Kyle Schwarber DHing, giving Ian Happ the opportunity to start in left field. 
And as for the Indians, pretty much the normal deal there. Um, yep, against for a, for a lineup against a lefty, Cubs are going with John Lester, pretty much the normal lineup. Indians going with Trevor Bauer. So those are your lineups. And yeah, I said I want to circle back to that Yankees game because when I was looking, to, I've got two leagues that have uh, daily lineup changes. One's in the ESPN League, the other's in the New League. I've got Sonny Gray in the New League. And I had a little bit of a dilemma there as to whether or not to start or sit him. And I decided I was going to sit Sonny Gray because he just really, it's at the point now of the season where, okay, after the first couple of weeks or so, maybe three three times through the rotation, you, you know, it, it, for somebody like Sonny Gray, who's generally been pretty consistent, you know what you are likely to get from him. Uh, I don't worry about a slow start, but uh, it's it's not been good for him, and you know not not really a lot of positive signs that you can uh, hang your hat on there. The the really troubling stat for me, and this is one that I've really come to prioritize for pitchers, is that O swing rate, the swing on pitches outside of the zone. Because when it's high, that means that the walk rate likely, unless there's like some extremely bad control. A really high rate, 35, 40%. That's you know probably going to mean a really low walk rate. And also, because you're chasing at bad pitches, contact rate uh, on those pitches is likely to be pretty low. So it it's, tends to be a very good indicator for both walk rate and strikeout rate. And I talked a little bit about on yesterday's show about some pitchers like Johnny Cueto, um, uh, Vince Velasquez, where that O-swing rate isn't really jibing with the strikeout and the walk rates, and that could be, depending on which direct, direction it's going in, could be either a very good or a very bad sign. So uh, it, it's a bad sign. I mean, it's kind of jibing with uh, Gray's strikeout walk rates, which, well, the strikeout rate is fine. Uh, Gray's strikeout rate right now, well, actually, let me take that back. Actually, the strikeout rate isn't that good. The K9 is fine, but he's been so inefficient that his strikeout rate is actually it's 17.4%, which is not very good. It's actually the lowest of his career. And then the walk rate is just astronomical, 12.8%. And and after four starts, I can't really write that off because he's got an extremely low swing rate on the pitches that he's where he's not locating in the zone, 23.7%. Uh, he's not really having control problems. He's, he's throwing 44% of his pitches in the zone, which is both uh, pretty close to the major league norm and pretty close to Sonny Gray's career norm. So the fact that the strikeout rate is low, the walk rate is high, um, it, and, and that that's totally supported by him just not getting swings on, on bad pitches, I, I, I got to sit this one out with uh, Sonny Gray. And, you know, Twins lineup's pretty good. I mean, it's Dozier, Maurer, Sano, Rosario, Kepler, uh, Eduardo Escobar. Okay, Logan Morrison's off to a, a horrid start. But, you know, one through six, that's that's a tough lineup. So... I am sitting Sonny Gray for tonight. And as far as the rest of the slate goes, there's not really, you know, a whole lot there that, um, you know, seems really controversial to me. So, uh, you know, you've got the aces like Granke and Arietta uh, going, um, but, you know, Jamison Tyone I feel pretty safe with at this point. Obviously, uh, Max Scherzer. Um, yeah, I kind of glossed over the fact that Jeff Samarja is starting for the Giants. So, um, 
I probably, I mean, it obviously depends on the format, but like in a daily format like that, would I start Jeff Samarge against the Nationals first time out? I'd probably lean towards doing it, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a hard it's a hard call. And this is not, you know, your best Nationals lineup either uh, with, with Rendon out. Uh, Zimmerman's not in the lineup, and I know he's not hit that well in the early going. Uh, obviously, Daniel Murphy is not a part of the lineup. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's actually not a, a horrible matchup. And I guess I give uh, Samarja a little bit benefit of the doubt. But for the most part, the slate is pretty underwhelming. Oh, I also forgot Clayton Kershaw pitching against the Marlins. So that's uh, obviously uh, a very safe one there. So, uh, well, let's uh, take a step backwards. And look at uh, some of the performances from uh, Tuesday's games. Uh, pretty much, uh, well, I should say Tuesday night because it was a uh, all a nighttime slate. But uh, the power, you know, has not been uh, typically what we would expect. But then again, early season with much more cold weather than usual. But the the bats were heating up on Tuesday night. A whole bunch of two home run performances. Uh, one belonging to Gary Sanchez, and even though he's not hitting for average so far, the power's there. He's now got five home runs on the season, so a couple of home runs against the Twins. And, um, you know, I don't worry too much about Gary Sanchez. I mean, I know I talked about Sonny Gray, and, you know, a- after, uh, you know, a few weeks and, and, and four starts, uh, it, the time for giving him the, the, the benefit of the doubt is is beyond us, but you know, it's not like Sanchez has you know got some kind of major strikeout problem or anything like that. Uh, I think the batting average is is going to come for him. Uh, it's and it's not even like he's gone you know totally pole crazy or anything either. And so I, I think you know I don't know. I, I was gonna say it might be a good time to buy low on Sanchez. I have a hard time believing that anybody's really that sour on him. But you know, most leagues there's there's one. Impatient owner there, maybe in yours, it's the Gary Sanchez owner. Uh, Kyle Schwarber with the two-home run game, his fifth and sixth on the season against the Indians. Now, whereas I have complete faith that Gary Sanchez is going to get uh, his batting average uh, back up uh, where we're accustomed to seeing it, Kyle Schwarber being a 300 hitter just doesn't compute for me. Now, he is striking out. A little less so far this year. Actually, pretty respectable 24% strikeout rate. But bear in mind that the small sample caveats in the last week of April here still do apply that it would just take uh, a fairly limited cold streak with a lot of strikeouts to get that rate back where it typically is, uh, you know, around 30% or so for, for Schwarber. But the thing for him is that he's got a uh, 333 Babbitt. And I know on uh, the BFFs, uh, Mike Florio was talking about how he doesn't trust uh, the Dansby Swanson 400-plus BABIP. <laughs> well, we have to you know, kind of calibrate our BABIP expectations downward for, for players like uh, Kyle Schwarber, who, uh, you know, frankly, hit a lot of fly balls. And it's not so much that the BABIP is out of line for Schwarber. It's that the ground ball rate is out of line for Schwarber. He's got a 53% ground ball rate, which kind of makes it all the more impressive that he's already got six home runs. But I just, I don't know. Maybe he's uh, going anti-fly ball revolution. The, everybody's zigging and he's going to zag. I I, I kind of doubt that. I think that's a small sample artifact. 
Uh, but yeah, he's not pulling the ball much. He's not hitting many fly balls. So the 333 Babbitt, given what Schwarber has done so far, actually kind of makes sense. It just doesn't make sense given his history as an all-out-for-power kind of guy. So he'll be an interesting one to watch, but I would I would expect the power to maintain, but just not the, the batting average to to stay up there with uh, with the, the, the ISO and with the uh, home run total. And uh, Anderson Simmons, a couple of home runs on Tuesday against the Astros. He's now up to three on the season, and he's batting 317. That's a much more believable 300-plus batting average when you're talking about Andrelton Simmons. And uh, apparently he's not hit one today because you got the Astros and the Angels going right now because that game is 3 nothing Astros. But as long as I'm talking about Simmons, I'm going to do just a quick check-in here and see that he is 0 for 2 so far. So, uh, yeah, actually, uh, Justin Verlander has given up just one hit. And that is a Zach Cozart single. So he is mastering the uh, the Angels lineup so far uh, through five innings. Uh, that's in the bottom of the fifth right now. Three nothing Houston. Um, all righty. So yeah, two homer game for Andrelton Simmons on Tuesday. Freddie Freeman. Great to see from him after getting plunked on the wrist a, a few days ago. He's now up to four homers. So those couple of homers uh, against the Reds. And in that same game, Scooter Janek went three for five. He hit a couple of home runs, and those were his first two home runs of the season. So I have to admit, I was a little concerned about Janek because I thought what he did last season seemed legit to me, even if it was pretty out of line with uh, what he had done over his career with the Brewers. Uh, but those are just the first two home runs for uh, Janek. He has been hitting for average. He's bagged 287. Uh not you know striking out a whole lot, pretty much doing Scooter Jeanette things, just not hitting home runs until uh, Tuesday night. And also Joey Votto, finally, finally, he just got his first extra base hit a few days ago, doubled, and then on Tuesday uh, he got his first homer of the year, uh, batting just 244 Joey Votto. So it's been a, a pretty slow April for him. But as I'm sure I've mentioned uh, other times on the show, in 2016, he had a miserable April, and then from May forward, um, just tore up uh, tore up Major League Baseball. So I'm not too worried about Joey Votto. I've got him in a couple leagues, so it's certainly a frustration right now. But uh, he is somebody that you just absolutely don't don't sit uh, in any format, uh, no matter how badly it's going for him, because that maybe this is the beginning of the hot streak for Joey Votto. Tommy Pham back in the Cardinals lineup on Tuesday and uh, makes a big splash with a three-for-three night and also hitting his third home run and walking twice against the Mets. So uh, definitely reason to be encouraged there by Tommy Pham. As I mentioned earlier, Brandon Belts has has stayed hot. He uh, broke his string on uh, Monday, I believe it was, of four consecutive games with a home run, but then he homered again on Tuesday against the Nationals. So that's his sixth homer of the season and his fifth home run in his last six games. And Belt also has a seven-game hit streak going on. Uh, Matt Williamson in that same game, uh, he's staying hot, one, two, four, with his third home run in the very short short time that uh, he is up. And if I 
heard Mike Florio correctly, it's a torn ligament for Eric Thames. That's uh, that is bad news. That is very bad news. So, um, you know, I mentioned the the potential fallout before. Now that's uh, looks like an actual fallout. That once the Brewers get back to uh, NL Parks, that uh, and I'm seeing the report right here, actually from the Brewers Twitter account, placed on the 10 day DL with the tear of the UCL in his left uh, thumb. Also, to corresponding move, the Brewers have brought up Brandon Woodruff. Uh, from AAA, I would imagine to the bullpen, but uh, have to see what the uh, the the role is going to be for Brandon Woodruff. But obviously, that pales in comparison to Thames, who's been red hot through the month of April. Uh, I would assume going to be out for a while. Have not seen anything here in terms of a um, uh, a timetable for Thames, but like I said, uh, it likely to be good news for Domingo Santana. Get more of a chance to play his way out of his funk. Uh, I think you'll probably see a little more Jesus Aguilar, and I would think a lot more Ryan Braun at first base. But obviously, that's one we've got to watch. But that's how it would appear to uh, to play out for Eric Thames. So um, I've gotten through all of the two homer performances, but uh, there are a few other notable batting performances uh, that are worthy of some discussion. And some pitcher, pitchers did okay, too. Uh, Robbie Ray was one of them. Uh, Shohei Otani wasn't necessarily one of them, but we'll talk about all those performances on the other side of this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And in case you're just tuning in or didn't catch the uh, breaking news just before the break, Eric Thames has been placed on the 10-day DL by the Brewers with a tear of the UCL in his left thumb. Uh, also, in a corresponding move, they called up Brandon Woodruff from AAA. Um, so I kind of walked through the possible ramifications, but we'll just have to see uh, how the Brewers do deal with this because they've, they've got a lot of options and you know while I'm making the assumption that this is a good thing for um, uh, for Domingo Santana I mean they, they do have plenty of options they, they can uh, play Jesus Aguilar first they can play uh, Hernan Perez there so it doesn't necessarily mean Ryan Braun's going to be playing all the time uh, at first base Brewers line up also for tonight at Kansas City still not out uh, let's see. Uh, we do have, I think, one new lineup out since the last time. I will get to that as soon as I just share with you this uh, quick message here about uh, DailyRoto.com, where you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer using Daily Roto's MLB projections and Optimizer. Just go to DailyRoto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code F-N-T-S-Y, to use all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. 
and the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings live final finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. So the lineup that just came out is the Marlins lineup. Uh, They are starting Trevor Richards uh, in opposition to Clayton Kershaw. And I don't see anything too unusual there. And uh, I understand there's only a handful of players. You're likely starting out of that lineup anyway, but uh, nothing too unusual. So uh, let me get back to some of those hitting performances from Tuesday. Uh, Like I said, a whole bunch of two homer games uh curtis granderson only one homer but a homer that counted a whole lot uh walk off homer off of craig kimbrell uh he went three for five so did more than just uh, hitting his third homer of the season also his third double and granderson now batting 321 and much like i discussed with um kyle schwarber that that's something that looks very out of line when you see curtis grand granderson with that kind of high batting average because he profiles similarly as somebody who hits a lot of flies and has been an extreme pole hitter for, I think, pretty much his whole career. So, uh, yeah, a little skeptical of that. But uh, And I also imagine that uh, there's going to be a bit of a crunch for playing time there. But uh, good, good game for Granderson. Alex Avila's been very quiet so far this season, and he was one of the bigger stories, I would say, around mid-season when it became apparent that he was having a pretty pretty special year, particularly that the portion of it that he spent with the Tigers uh, was something of a stat cast uh, standout uh, in terms of exit velocity and average fly ball distance. And uh, but like I said, been quiet so far, but uh, a big game on Tuesday against the Phillies in that, uh, that very rainy contest. Uh, Vila went three for four, hit his second home run of the season, Still batting, even with the three-hit game, still batting just 179. But uh, not only is it encouraging just to have uh, one big game there for Avila, but on the year so far, his average exit velocity on flies and liners is 97.1 miles an hour. So he's still making a lot of hard contact, and he's somebody who's probably always going to strike out quite a bit. But uh, maybe there's more good things to come there from Alex Avila. I would pretty much figure on that uh for the phillies however in that game uh trending downward is scott kingery who got the golden sombrero oh for four four strikeouts for kingery he's got only two base hits in his last seven games two for 24 no extra base hits so definitely time to give kingery a little bit of a breather maybe having some adjustment issues after initially looking like Major League Baseball was just a piece of cake for him, uh, definitely slowing down. And I imagine over the, the longer term, Kingery's going to be fine. Uh, before the season, I talked about how I thought you know he wasn't going to be really great for batting average, maybe 240, 250. But um, the speed for sure is legit. I saw something recently where among uh, – they, they, they broke it down by position. So Kingery, they, they had a second base, but – uh, I think he had the, the fastest sprint speed of, of any second baseman. Uh, so obviously speed is legit for Kingery. The power early on translated pretty well. I think he'll 
be at least a decent source of power uh, going forward. Uh, so lots of good pitching performances and also a few not so good that are worth taking a look at. Let's start with the good ones. Jay Happ, another really good one for him, and it gets the Red Sox. So it doesn't get much more impressive than that. Only one run allowed over seven innings on four hits with no walks and another big strikeout total for Jay Happ. Ten strikeouts. Uh, he has a 14% whiff rate. Uh, but, yeah, with all the strikeouts uh, and, and you know, good indicators uh, that we like in fantasy, the ERA just 3.72, which, again, is kind of in line with where Happ's been the last couple of seasons. But the thing is that the strikeouts, this strikeout rate, this whiff rate are, are a whole new thing for him. Uh, so the reason why the ERA is so high is he's, when he is allowing contact, it's hard contact. He's joined the the Robbie Ray, Michael Pineda club that um, in terms of pitchers who have allowed at least 50 fly balls and line drives combined, he has the 13th highest exit velocity allowed. So uh, that he's, he's a little vulnerable to the extra base hit there. Um, you know, not saying that I wouldn't start Hap, and certainly for him to do great against a lineup like the Red Sox, I mean, you can't find that anything but encouraging. But I just wouldn't necessarily look at the ERA and say, well, that, that thing's got to come down a lot. Eh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, opposing him was Rick Porcello, who's off to a tremendous start and continues that, although certainly not quite as impressive as half start. Porcello going seven innings, three runs on three hits and three walks. That's like crazy wild for Rick Porcello these days. Walk three batters in the start, but nine strikeouts for him against the Blue Jays. He did get 10 grounders in the, this game. After Porcello's last start, I kind of poured some cold water on the idea that he was back as a ground ball pitcher uh, because that last start uh, didn't get that many ground balls. I don't remember the exact number or the exact rate. But I just thought, you know, look at the longer term record for Porcello uh, in recent years, not necessarily going all the way back uh, to early in his Tigers career, but. Uh, more recent seasons, he's not really been a ground ball pitcher, but so far now, 52% ground ball rate for Porcello and no home runs allowed. I think some regression's coming there, but I think Porcello is still going to be okay. Not Cy Young level okay, but I think he's going to be fine. Tyler Maley's had kind of a weird up and down season, and Tuesday was definitely an up for him against the Braves. Six innings, three runs on only three hits. Two walks and 11 Ks for Tyler Maley. Strikeouts have been fairly consistent for him, although I think that's a season of maybe a career high for Maley. Uh, he's got a high whiff rate, not quite as high as Jay Happs, but 12%. That's You'll take that from a starting pitcher. Actually, probably take that from relievers too. Uh, but he has allowed seven home runs in 27 innings. He does have a 5.00 ERA. He does have... Great American Ballpark as his home park, which is not good for somebody who's in that J-Hap, uh, Robbie Ray profile of uh, missing a lot of bats but getting hit hard when he's not missing. Marco Gonzalez, I have to say, I'm not sure why or how, but it's kind of slipped off my radar. He's been good. He's been good. He uh, was very good against the White Sox. Six shutout innings, five hits, just one walk, and eight Ks. So he's the early going anyways, back as a strikeout pitcher and uh, was up with the Cardinals and uh, he, you know, granted he wasn't fully healthy. And, you know, the buzz during spring training was that 
you know, this guy's finally healthy again, and he's he's going to be a much better pitcher. And that's that's really playing out. He's thrown 22 innings so far, struck out 27 batters, and only walked four. So uh, back on my radar, to be sure. Andrew Triggs, uh, somebody I've liked from the get-go, uh, really, you know, back to when he first came up with the A's. And uh, good start against the Rangers. One run over six innings, four hits, just one walk, six Ks. And I do like the strikeout potential for Triggs. Uh, but, you know, he's one of these guys who uh, works out of the zone a lot. Uh, you know, got a good curveball. But, um, you know, I, uh, it, the results have definitely been mixed for him. But I, I think we're probably going to see more starts like this one from Triggs in the future. So, uh not not a bad speculation move to uh, pick up Andrew Triggs. And Cole Hamels, been sort of a weird season already for him. Six uh, six starts deep into his season. Uh, the first three were kind of weird because he struck out a whole bunch of guys, but also the control was off, a lot of walks. The overall results weren't really great. Uh, but good results against the uh, the Oakland A's. Six and a third innings, two runs on five hits and two walks with five strikeouts. So strikeout rates come back to earth a bit, but also coinciding with that, here's that critical indicator. Again, the O swing rate that has been up in his last four starts and the walks have been down. So I'll take this version of Hamels over the crazy making lots of K's, but everything else looks bad version of Cole Hamels, but pretty, pretty solid. Uh, that O-swing rate, like I said, up for the last four starts, last three starts, been pretty good overall for Hamels. Kyle Freeland, a very good start for him, but against the Padres, but at Coors Field, uh, he went seven innings, uh, did not allow a run, only gave up three hits, only two walks. And for Freeland, sometimes a walk could be an issue, so only two walks for him. Eight strikeouts, that's pretty unusual. Uh, but he's got a very interesting and intriguing combination. I don't expect a lot of strikeouts. I'm going to credit that one to the matchup. But Freeland uh, so far is allowing balls to be pulled at a 33% rate, not too far uh, down from where it was last year. So this seems to be something Freeland has a knack for, is not getting getting pulled on. And also uh, that list of pitchers I mentioned earlier, uh, 50 or more combined flies and line drives, uh, well, whereas Jay Happ is on one end of that continuum, Kyle Freeland's on the other. Only eight pitchers have allowed a lower exit velocity on average on flies and line drives than uh, Kyle Freeland has. And over his last three starts, he has allowed only one home run. So, you know, maybe not a conventional uh, stud fantasy pitcher. I mean, that's actually it's. I don't even have to say stud. Not a conventional fancy pitcher you would you would roster in, in most formats, but you know some maybe some sneaky uh, ERA potential there and win potential for Kyle Freeland and Cease Sabathia. Same deal. Not somebody that you're going to be able to count on strikeouts. It's been that way for a while for Sabathia, but so far so good for him. Uh, he went six innings against the Twins, just one run that was unearned. On two hits and a walk, only four Ks for Sabathia. But that's you know that's the probably what you're going to see from him for the most part. Maybe not necessarily zero earned runs, but quality starts without a whole lot of strikeouts, um, a lot of soft contact, just like Kyle Freeland, 
and also a very high 35% O swing rate for Sabathia. So that bodes well. If not for the strikeout rate, certainly bodes well for the walk rate for Sabathia. Now, a few pitchers that didn't do so well. Uh, Jose Barrios only made it four innings, giving up five runs on six hits and a couple of walks. Did strike out seven Yankees. Uh, but he's had two bad starts so far. All the other ones have been superb. I don't really see a pattern here where you could say we'll avoid him in this start or that start. I wouldn't, you know, the Yankees lineup obviously is very good, but I, I'm not, I don't think this is an indication that you can only start Barrios against mediocre offenses. I think it's just one of those bad days at the office. And Shoei Otani, uh, second start in a row, not very good for him. Uh, five and a third, four runs on six hits and five walks, but with seven Ks. Um, now, the, the start at Boston where he was dealing with the blister, um, not very good control. That wasn't the problem here at all. Uh, Otani was throwing in the zone, but when he was out of the zone, swing rate was only 15%, which is abysmal. Um, I don't see that there's a trend here. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just the Astros being a very selective opponent. But uh, I'm going to have to see more from Otani in the bad sense (laughs) to not trust him, to not start him. Uh, He's must start for me still even uh, after these last two starts. Uh, Robbie Ray, who I've already mentioned about 38 times in this show, uh, unfortunately in a negative light, uh, but, you know, kind of making my point for me against the Phillies and, uh, you know, whether uh, I'm not exactly sure when the rain started in this one because I only caught the game in the, the latter few innings. But only four and two-thirds uh, for Ray in this one. Uh, three runs on five hits, three walks, but 11 strikeouts. So control an issue, um, hard contact an issue. And in fact, his O-swing and soft contact rates are worse this year than they were last year. So I, again, I don't know that there's a sit-start kind of pattern for Ray other than maybe you know teams that are super selective. Might not be great for Ray, but I think for now I'm, I'm just going to continue to run him out there until I get a better beat on the situation. And finally, Luke Weaver, uh, another bad start for him, four and two-thirds, um, four runs, only two hits a lot, but six walks and four strikeouts. So one interesting pattern that I'll leave you with here in regard to Luke Weaver. I mean, the results overall have still been pretty good, but on the season, going to go to O-swing one more time, 23%, which is very, very low. Um, but he's generally been pitching in the zone, so it hasn't hurt him too much. But in this start against the Mets, he was pitching in the zone only 32% of the time. And, and he's got to do better than that. So the fact that Weaver's not really fooling anybody when he's not thrown in the zone means if he's having control issues, it's probably going to be pretty ugly. So I think he's kind of a borderline start candidate. Right now, obviously not in deeper leagues, but in, in standard shower leagues, think you, think you got to weigh your options with Luke Weaver for the time being. So, on that uh, not so optimistic note, uh, it's time to wrap it up here. So, thank you so much for tuning in. I think we are going to have Nando Dofino back for Nando Thursday tomorrow. So, uh, tune in, find out. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.